welcome to the podcast for St. Andrew's Community United Methodist Church, a loving, caring, overcoming community of faith where our mission is making disciples of Jesus Christ. So I stood at the back of the church and I was shaking hands with people after the service. It had been a really good Sunday. Maybe for some it was a memorable Sunday, but it certainly wasn't one of those Sundays where when giving the benediction I had to say, I'm sorry folks, I really did the best I could. It was a good Sunday. I went to my office and I was taking off my microphone when I heard a knock at the door and I turned around to see a young woman that I had never met before. In fact, I didn't even remember seeing her as she sat in the service. I said hello and before I could ask her her name, she said, I was wondering if I could schedule an appointment with you. Now, a lot of times when that happens right after worship, somebody has something that it's an issue that's really getting to them. It might be something that... uh, They don't yet have the courage to talk about, so they want to set an appointment so they can build up their courage and come talk to you later. As I said, sure. I said, let me open my calendar. So I went over to my computer to get my calendar out, and I looked at it. I said, it it looks like Wednesday about 5 o'clock would be a good time for me to meet. And she said, well, that'll, that'll work for me too. And I said, okay, well, very good. And she turned around, and she was walking out of the office, and she suddenly stopped, and she turned around, and she sat in this rather strong voice, If you're going to be my spiritual leader, I have some questions I want to ask you. I came to discover that really was a part of her personality. She came in on Wednesday, and when she came in, one of the first things she did was apologize. She said, I'm sorry, I have a tendency to come on too strong. I hope it didn't bother you when I told you what I told you. I said, well, no, it didn't bother me at all. If you don't like the answers to my questions, it's not going to change my answers. And she Seemed to kind of like that. She asked me her questions, and I answered them as honestly as I could. And when we got done, she said, well, thank you. I think that I will be back. She turned to walk out of the office, and she stopped and apologized again for coming on so strongly. And I told her, it's not a problem. I wish everybody would take as seriously what it means to be part of a church where someone you look to is considered a spiritual leader. Now, I share that story today because that was really the start of this series on new creation, that the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church at Corinth, a church that he dearly loved, a church that was, uh, it was just different than any other church that we read about in the New Testament. And Paul was writing to them about spiritual leadership. As you know, well, Paul comes in and he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ and people respond with faith and he will stay in that city for a couple of years helping to ground them and root them and establish them in the faith of who Christ is. And then when the Holy Spirit leads him, Paul goes away and then people come in behind Paul wanting to take advantage of what Paul has started. But a lot of times when they did that, they were having a false teaching, and they would say things like, well, you know, Paul's good, but he didn't get everything right. Paul didn't tell you everything. Let us tell you something else. And it became confusing to these new believers. And so in Corinth, Paul looked at them, and he says, look, 
You know what it was like when we came to you, how we came to you with sincere hearts. Granted, things were not spectacular, but those that are trying for spectacular ministry, they're not sincere. They're not looking out for your well-being. And so if we ever seem crazy, just know that when we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And when we're in our right mind, when we have our senses about us, it's for your benefit. Because what Christ is doing is Christ is transforming us. Christ is teaching us to be those people that are able to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so as you see yourself growing in faith, as you learn how it is that you are being transformed by God's spirit, you need to quit thinking of yourself the way you've always thought about yourself in the past. Don't think of yourself from a human point of view. Start thinking of yourselves from God's point of view, a divine point of view, because you're not the same. You're a new creation. Let's read that part of the letter to Corinth as we find it in 2 Corinthians. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We're giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring God glory, and if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Now for us to truly understand what this whole idea of new creation means, we need to backtrack. In fact, I want us to go back and consider uh, the sermons that we were hearing in January and February when we were learning about how God created the world, that God just simply spoke things into being. God said it, and that's what happened. And we know that it took seven days for creation. Days one through six, what we see is that God creates the earth and the sky and the heavens. God creates the sun, moon, and stars and puts them in their orbits and has a rhythm in creation. God separates the dry land from the water and the dry land he covers with plants and vegetation and seed-bearing trees of all kinds so that the earth is now continually growing things new. The sea, God fills with the sea creatures. The sky, God fills with the birds. And then on day six, God creates the land animals specifically humanity. And humanity enjoys a perfect, intimate 
relationship with the Creator. And on day seven, God rests. God looks at all that God has created, and God said it is good, and God rested. And after we looked at those seven days, we then looked at what I call day eight. Now, it wasn't the eighth day, but somehow after the seventh day, there was an eighth day when Adam and Eve choose to be disobedient to what God has said for how we should live. And in that moment of disobedience, when they are seduced by the serpent in the garden, creation now falls. We now live in a world that is not the world that God created it to be. The world changed. It's flawed. It's deficient because sin has entered in to the human experience. Brothers and sisters, we live today in that eighth day that when we are born we are born into this sinful world the relationship that we have with God is the result of the brokenness from what Adam and Eve did there was nothing humanly possible that Adam and Eve could do to restore that original relationship but this is the goodness and this is the greatness of God that God did what God does not have to do God offers us a new chance and God takes our flawed self and can make us something new. Now, one of the things that some of you may know about me, because I've mentioned this in sermons, is I am a thrifty person. My wife has a different word for it. My wife would say, I'm cheap. I prefer the word thrifty, for example this shirt that I'm wearing. I was in a store and I was looking at shirts, really not even for myself. I was looking for my sons and I came across this shirt and I thought, yeah, it's not a bad looking shirt. But suddenly it became beautiful. It became glorious. It became this shirt was meant for you to wear. Have y'all had such experiences before? You know what transformed this shirt? The price tag. I do not want you to be jealous. I would not want you to covet for that is sin. The price tag, $3.99. I thought it was a mistake. I thought it was supposed to be, you know, $13.99 or $23.99, but when it said $3.99, I said, you are mine. I am taking you home. I mean, when I go shopping, if I'm going shopping for clothes, I go to the clearance rack first. That's just who I am. I, I remember once we were getting ready to go on vacation and Robin needed a new pair of shoes and we walked by a clearance rack. I went home with a new pair of shoes. I didn't particularly think they were an attractive pair of shoes, but they were glorious because of the price. That's how I am. I'm thrifty. Until <laughs> I had my back surgery a few years ago. And when I had my back surgery, I thought, you know what? I probably don't need to buy the clearance pair of shoes that nobody else wanted. I should probably go ahead and buy shoes that are better for my posture and my back. And, you know, I, I need to exercise more, so I need a good pair of walking shoes. And so I, I went to one of those high price, you know, running shoe stores. Do not be deceived. They were not meant for running. 
They were meant for walking. I knew they could watch how I walked and they'd say, oh, well, this is the kind of shoe you need. And, and the shoe they recommended for me was the New Balance 840. So I handed him a handful of Benjamins and I walked out of the store with my New Balance 840s. After I'd worn them a couple of weeks, I was going somewhere one day and I thought, it feels like I got something stuck to the bottom of my shoe. And so I looked, the shoe was fine. A little bit later, I'd be wondering, man, it feels like something stuck to the bottom of my shoe. So I took it off and I looked, and it looked fine. So I put it back on a little bit later. It's like, there is something on the bottom of my shoe. Y'all have had this feeling, right? And so I uh, took my shoe off again and I looked at it, and it, it had two different kind of kinds of rubber on the bottom of the shoe. And one of them was coming loose from the other one. There was something wrong with the shoe. Now, because I am such a thrifty person, I took my shoe back to the store. And I showed them, I said, look, I said, there's something wrong with this shoe. This rubber has come off. I've only had these shoes a couple of weeks. There's a flaw in the design. That's what's wrong with creation. When we were created, the old creation was born with the flaw. So it is that when God looks at us, God says, I want to make you a new creation. Brothers and sisters, who we are before we come to faith in Christ is not the same person we were before. We don't think of ourselves any longer from that human point of view because God is making us into new people. And whenever I had that shoe, the reality was I could have found some glue or some kind of adhesive and I could have repaired the shoe myself. But you know what I was repairing? A flawed shoe. When God looks at our lives and he looks at the brokenness and he looks at the flaws that are there because we were born into a sinful world, God does not merely glue us together so things are better. God is making us new. You see, making a new creation is the miracle of our salvation. It's that the old has passed away. It's like we were singing a while ago, all my hope is in Jesus. Thank God. Yesterday's gone. Do I have a witness? Thank you for that. That's good news. I was reading a story recently by Jim Cimbala. He is the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle. He's got such a powerful ministry. I love reading some of the books that he writes. And, and he shared a story about how it was Easter Sunday at Brooklyn Tabernacle. And he had got up and he had preached. And it had just been a, a glorious service. You can imagine how glorious it is on Easter after he preached, he gives an invitation and people are responding and they have prayer ministers that are there to pray and counsel with people and help them in the response they're making to God's word. Everybody was working and he was just sitting up there and he went and sat on the edge of the platform. He dangled his feet over the side and he loosens his tie and, and he just kind of watches. And he looks up the center aisle and there in the center aisle was a man that made eye contact with him. He said the man looked to be about 50-ish. He was disheveled, obviously was living on the street. Cymbala thought, you know, he's probably wanting some money so he can go buy some more wine. When the guy got about five feet from him, the stench was so bad 
the symbol had to turn his head to take a deep breath as he talked to the man. He asked him, he said, what's your name? David. David, how long have you been on the street? Six years. How old are you? 32. Looked 50. He was 32. Where'd you sleep last night? In an abandoned truck. Brooklyn Tabernacle gets a lot of street people that come into their church and he just thought the guy wanted money. He begins to reach for his wallet when David says, I don't want your money. I want this Jesus that you were talking about. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to die on the street. I need Jesus. Symbola was overcome with the anguish for his own soul. And this man who before he couldn't even look at and breathe because of the stink, he suddenly goes and he embraces him. They begin to cry. David receives the miracle of salvation that comes through our profession of faith. They found David a place to live so he didn't have to sleep on the street anymore. They were able to hire him to do maintenance work around the church. They took him to a dentist who was able to repair his teeth and help him to smile again. They got him into detox so he could get off of his addiction. When you looked at David, he was not the same person anymore. Beloved, it makes me wonder, if people knew us before our profession of faith in Christ, do they see us the same way today that we were then? Because there's a part of me that says that if we're still the same as we were when we were born anew, we have not done what we needed to do in order for God's spirit to transform our lives so we're no longer bound to the bondage of our brokenness and our sin and the stench of our sinfulness, but we are the same unless somehow we're allowing God to make us new. Are we allowing God's spirit to work in us so that we become new? Because here's the thing. It's not like you profess faith in Christ and suddenly you're a new creation. I mean, you are. You're not the same because there is a relative, a relational change in how you relate to God. But real change comes over time. God's spirit is making us new continually. The creator God who created the universe continues to work in us to make us into this new person. Because I don't know about you, well, I do know about some of you, <laughs> that uh, even though we are people of faith, we still make some of the same mistakes. We still have some of the same brokenness in our lives, and God's not simply trying to glue us back together. God is making us new. The symbolists invited David over for Thanksgiving dinner. And then they invited him back for Christmas dinner. And David brought a present for Pastor Jim. He gave him a handkerchief because that was all that he could afford. A year later, they asked David to come and stand before the church and tell his story. He had just started speaking and Simbla thought to himself, man, this guy's a preacher. And God confirmed that in David's life. 
and he became ordained and he was an associate pastor at one of the satellite campuses of Brooklyn Tabernacle that was in New Jersey. God made him new. God is making us new. Over the course of time, sometimes we, we begin to look different on the outside, amen? <laughs> I was at conference this week, and after the memorial service, a woman came up to me, and she said, are you DA? Now, I would, would tell you, that happens to me a lot at annual conference, and usually my response is, well, I have to be. Nobody else wants to be. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm DA. And she said, I'm Carmen. And I, I just kind of looked at her. She said, I'm Carmen. And I went, holy cow, it's Carmen. I met Carmen in 1986 when we had worked a camp together. Her older brother was in the campus ministry that I directed. Her younger brother went to camp with us every year. Her parents were my sponsors when I went on Walk to Emmaus. I hadn't seen Carmen in 30 years. I didn't recognize her until she told me who she was, and I looked at her, and it's like, you look different. And the longer we walk with Christ, friends, the more different we should look to others because God is making us new. Part of what Paul writes in this is, we see Christ differently now than we used to. That the deeper and more intimately and more passionately that we live and walk with Christ, the more this transformation of making us new happens. Outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, we should be renewed day by day. And do you want to know what the key to that is? It's staying connected to Jesus the way a branch stays connected to a vine if it's going to bear fruit. I don't know about y'all, but I like new. I like new car smell. I like wearing a new, comfortable, cushioned pair of socks. Your house probably never looked better than it did when it was new. There's something great about new. And beloved, if anyone is in Christ, everyone has the possibility, but if anyone is in Christ, you're not the same. God is continually making you into a new person. I remembered a a song this week. This is an old song from the 1700s written by Charles Wesley. And some of you know the song. It's called Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. I want to share the lyrics with those of you who may not be familiar with the song because it helps sum up how it is we're a new creation Love divine, all loves excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure, unbounded love thou art. 
Visit us with thy salvation. Enter every trembling heart. Breathe, O oh breathe thy loving spirit into every troubled breast. Let us all in thee inherit. Let us find that promised rest. This is part I really have to remind myself. Take away our bent to sinning. Alpha and omega be. End of faith as its beginning. Set our hearts at liberty. Come, Almighty, to deliver. Let us all thy life receive. Suddenly return and never, never more thy temples leave. Thee we would be always blessing. Serve thee as thy host above. Pray and praise thee without ceasing. Glory in thy perfect love. Finish then thy new creation. That's the part that attracted me to this song. Finish then thy new creation, true and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee. Y'all getting a witness yet? Hmm. Change from glory into glory till in heaven we take our place till we cast our crowns before thee lost in wonder, love, and praise. God will finish what God has started. But God doesn't start until we profess our faith in him. If you've never done that, if you've gone away from that, come up and talk to me after the service. I promise not to be intimidated by your boldness because if you would allow me to be a spiritual leader, I want to do that sincerely, not spectacularly. Would you pray with me?